So um, I know I've had many of your classes that mm -hmm. have been veteran uh, VA benefits, and that's something that resonates with me, being a veteran. So I wanted to specifically ask you some veteran questions. Okay. Um, because that's something that I want to start doing in my business. Um, you know how they say they're secret agents? Yeah. Well, a lot of times whenever I meet people, they're like, oh, I had no idea you were a veteran. Mm -hmm. I had no idea you were a veteran. So that really stuck out to me, and now I've put that as a new, I guess you can say, um, call to action in my business. Sure, yeah. I'm a veteran. How mm -hmm. do I get started? So number one, thank you for your service. Thank you. You know, it's very near and dear to me. And what I would say is with veterans, when I talk to them for the very first time, one, um, most people don't even know how different it is if they are um, discharged and in civilian life or are they still active duty, right? right? So that's first, yeah. like, are you PCSing? Are you ETSing? Can you even speak the veteran's language mm, um, yeah. to where they understand what you're asking them? Um, yeah. That comes through just doing it. You yeah. lived it, so you yeah. know it, but for me it comes through hundreds of transactions, right? Yeah. So for active duty, I'm asking them, you know, do you already have orders? Um, what's your report date? What's your move date? When are they when are they packing your pod? Like all these things matter, right? Because mm -hmm. you only get one chance to move mm -hmm. and it not be an absolute nightmare. Mm -hmm. um, and then I'm asking, okay, where are you PCSing to? What's the zip code? That matters because their BAH might be different. True. Their BAS might be different. Are you, is your rank changing, yeah. right? All that matters yeah. because then I can go in and know for certain what their housing and ration income is going to be so that I can add that to their base pay and have an accurate assessment of where they're going to qualify. Because for instance, if you're coming from Hawaii, Hawaii has COLA mm -hmm. and there's, you're not going to get COLA if you come to Texas City, Okay. right? You're yeah. not going to get the extra 2,500 right. cost of living allowance because Texas is low cost of living allowance. Yeah. Um, so that's where you start. Like, wh what is the journey, right? Do you yeah. have a house to sell? Do you not have a house to sell? Have you ever used your entitlement before? Okay. Do you still own that property? So there's a lot of, if they're going to use their VA benefit, there's a lot of pre-qualifying questions sure. just to make sure that I understand how to execute. Yeah. And you said something that really stood out to me, and that was you speaking the language. Yeah. That alone is worth, you know, it's so valuable to veterans. Mm -hmm. If they are going to someone who doesn't necessarily, it, you don't even have to be a veteran to know the language. Mm -hmm. But like you said, time and time again, transaction after transaction, you've now learned and mm -hmm. and um, can ask these pre-qualifying questions, yeah. which is a very good um, thing. And that, that's something that I was going to ask you too, leading into the second question. They have a VA home loan. Can they reuse another VA, VA home loan mm -hmm. when relocating? Yes. So short answer is yes. There can be limitations if they're not selling it. Mm -hmm. If they are selling it, uh, you need to be working with a lender that understands how to restore entitlement okay. inside of the transaction. Okay. Because if not, a lot of lenders will make them close, wait three days, and then close again. Mm -hmm. That's not required. Okay. You can install retitlement on the backside before you deliver to VA, mm -hmm. okay, as long as you understand what you're doing. Um, so the entitlement restoration process is one that you have to understand if they mm -hmm. have one and they're buying another one. If they're going to keep it, then it can limit your total buying power, but we have calculators that tell us 
exactly what the impact is to your purchasing power. Okay. Um, and then for the veteran that is maybe already ETF, they're retired and they're working in civilian life, um, you know, if they've made a good life for themselves and income for themselves, a lot of people don't know that VA does not have a maximum loan amount okay. right now. Oh, and that's based off of... It used to. Right, yeah. Okay. It used to follow county loan limits for conventional. Okay. But now if you have full entitlement, okay. you can borrow as much as you can qualify for. That's so good to know. So say again, so if you are, um, you have full entitlement right yep. now, you've already, you're out, you're retired, yep. mm -hmm. okay? Because oddly enough, it, it, it shocks me to hear this, hear mm -hmm. me say this, but I am in my retirement age. Like sure. my, my friends are retiring right now. Sure. And I'm like, shit, I did something wrong, <laughs> you know? But um, they're retiring, they are, they're getting the um, eligibility, full eligibility, yep. they still qualify. Uh-huh. Like that, that's wonderful. Yeah. Um, and another thing, uh, someone just asked me this, and, and, and again, I still get faced with questions all the time. Yeah. You know, you live and learn in this industry every day, right? Can they use it? They currently have two VA home loans, mm -hmm. right, um, out. Or would they use one with their uh, first primary resident? They uh, relocated to Texas. They used it on the other property. Mm -hmm. And now they want to buy a secondary vacation property. That is not allowed, correct? No, you can't buy a non-primary residence, but what you can do that people don't understand is on the ones that they've previously bought that are not occupied now, Yeah. you can still do VA interest rate reduction loans on rentals. Okay. So even though it's now an investment property, okay. you are still eligible to refinance for a lower rate using your VA benefit, even if you don't occupy. Even on a previous residence. Okay. Now you can't go buy a vacation home, you can't go buy an investment home, but if you previously lived in a home and now you're renting it, mm -hmm. you can still use your VA benefit to refinance if rates go down okay. on that investment property. Knowing that it's an investment property, the VA totally understands and they allow it. That's really good. And I don't think a lot of people know that. No, I was about to say that. That is very good that you pointed that out. Uh, so thanks. Um, on that, Another thing that I got asked, because I put some feelers yeah. out there to veterans, I was like, hey, what do you want to know before I came out here today? Because I wanted to speak and I wanted to answer to the questions that are what right now, of you course. know? Um, so someone surviving, surviving spouse, okay. are they eligible for the VA home loan? So here's a very, this is a very sensitive topic. Yes, it is. Okay. So they've made some changes recently where it's not just for killed in action. Okay. But what I always tell the surviving spouse is, we need to have you go through the process with the regional loan center to have them determine eligibility before we get too far into the process. That's first thing. Mm -hmm. Because as a lender, I'm not, people think I determine eligibility. Mm. I do not. Okay. The that VA, comes from the, the VA determines eligibility, correct. Okay. So through their online portal, okay. we can submit the DD-214's death certificate. We can submit all the proper documentation to see if the spouse gets the eligibility. Gotcha. So we want to do that first. And we want to make sure that they understand that this is not our determination, this is at the VA level, and they do have the ability to fight it if they do not like the outcome. And we will help okay. them with the contact information. But they have made some changes. Okay. Um, but ultimately, we always say, let's start with the VA. Okay. Let's submit the documentation, mm -hmm. and if they give you the eligibility, 
then we move forward like like any other vehicle. Awesome. And that's good for me to know because if someone comes to me, which it just recently happened, mm-hmm. um, point them because I unknowingly I said, oh, let me put you in touch with the VA lender. But yeah. now you rerouted me to this is what needs to happen first. Yes. Go to the Veteran Affairs. They will determine if your eligibility, mm-hmm. and then we can go from there. And we can we can aid with that as the lender. I'm just saying that that is probably the most sensitive subject sure. we get in all of VA loans. Mm-hmm. So we want to be very Absolutely. sympathetic to that, obviously, and we want to make sure that they understand there's a determination process, mm-hmm. and it doesn't happen from the lender. It happens from the Department of Veteran Affairs, and we can help facilitate it, and we can help you with the phone numbers if you need to follow up and talk to someone about the situation to understand why they made the determination they did. Because if we get a letter back that says at this time we do not determine that there's eligibility available, it has a phone number. Okay. And we'll say, hey, call this number. They'll walk you through it. If there's a specific reason, they'll explain it to you. Um, But we want them to know that up front. We don't want to tell someone, oh, surviving spouse, yeah, you can do a VA loan, and then they can't. Okay. Because it's not every single case. It's not. No, um, and you're right. It is very sensitive, and we want to be empathetic to that and handle it accordingly. Um, so I know, and I know you've heard it time and time again, and um, we have, I deal with it too as a, as a realtor, VA loans, home loans have a stigma, mm-hmm. and especially coming out of a very uh, tough market for buyers, mm-hmm. if you know, the VA loans were looked at like a negative mm-hmm. and I can I still try to I'm only one voice though mm-hmm. right um, but I always try to combat that and like why do you think oh no you're VA yeah no you're VA mm-hmm. so how do you respond to that um, I know how I respond to it and again as a realtor I will stand up for my vets all day um, but you as a lender and professional in the mortgage world what is your take on that Well, we have tried over the last five years to educate this market into understanding VA loans Mm -hmm. and understanding that they should accept VA loans over any other. Um, I would call listing agents and explain to them that they need to be asking the question of just because they have a VA loan does not mean they don't have money. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because they think zero down, they don't have money. They don't have money. Yeah. As a matter of fact, when you were looking at appraisal gap strategies and Um, you know, people offering over, a veteran with money in the bank is going to be able to close the gap faster than anyone else. Because everyone else also has to put the 5% down. Right. Plus cover the gap. Right. The veteran is only going to have to cover whatever comes up short. Right. So they're always going to be closer to making the deal work anyway. Okay. Period. That's number one. Number two is you should not discriminate against someone for using a benefit that they earned. Right. I'm with you there. Period. These Period. loans do not take three months to close. Yeah. We close them in 28 to 21 days all the time. Okay. So I will call the listing agent just to make sure that they don't 100% write it off just because it's a veteran. Right. Um, I think that people do know that if I am the person on the pre-qualification letter and it's VA, they should be able to accept that. I will call them and make sure they understand that. Mm-hmm. Um, I did get a lot of veteran offers accepted even in the height of COVID. Nice. It was difficult, yeah. but it's a lot of conversations and it's Educating. a lot of it's a lot of me telling people things like why you should. If you tell me it's because they don't have any skin in the game, I'm going to tell you, well, their down payment is overseas where they served. 
not here. So get off your high horse for a second because they deserve this house more than anyone else in the pile. Yeah, I agree. Why would you deny someone their earned benefits? So if you're being an advocate for for veterans and you truly believe it, and I will get a little fired up sometimes with people, it's don't be that person. Yeah, I agree. Understand the right questions to ask. Because just because it's VA doesn't mean they don't have money. Yeah. It just means they have access to a program that you don't. I agree. And I would encourage realtors to educate themselves on that. That's why I thought it was so important to bring that up because me calling, if I'm, you know, representing a veteran and I'm trying to get our offer accepted, I've heard time and time again from several listing agents, no, we don't want to do VA. Mm -hmm. And I've had to have those conversations time and time again. Um, But I, how many realtors are, you know, really taking the time, they'll just tell me, okay, thanks. You know, I'm sorry, they don't accept VA, mm-hmm. you know, but how many realtors are really saying, no, let me get you in touch with the lender. Yeah. This is why they got skin in the game, mm-hmm. you know, because it, it, those are just important questions to have. Well, I think that's another reason why we came out with the cash backup offer for our veterans. Okay. Exp- expand on that. So we'll, we'll do a little bit more, um, I don't want to use invasive as the right word, but we'll do a more in-depth pre-qualification, which is actually a pre-approval, send it to the underwriter, get everything cleared. And as long as we don't have any credit income or asset conditions, then we'll give an amendment to the contract that says that if the veteran doesn't close by the contract date, we'll pay cash. Okay. So at that point, then what's your, then what's your excuse? Wow. That was, that's really good. Right? Yeah. And that's putting your money where your mouth is. Yeah. A lot of the ones that I were I was getting was the appraisal's too hard. It's not. I know. It's really not. I know. So tell me your take on that. I know mine and I'll expand on mine. I'll tell you the only VA appraisals that I had come in low consistently during COVID was new construction. Okay. That was yeah. it. Yeah. And, and so I think that the takeaway here is what you just said is um, I think realtors and lenders I think this is a start in the right direction. We need to do more of this, mm-hmm. more educating the realtors so the realtors can educate the listing agents mm-hmm. and, or the owners a lot of times because the owners, I've had sat down with the owners that somehow some friends, some family members said don't accept VA loans. They're so hard. Mm-hmm. And so I've had to be at the uh, listing agreement table and say, no, I, you know, let me tell you why. That's incorrect. Yeah. 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 That, that, let me let me show you mm-hmm. that. And um, so I think this is a good start, and I commend you on that. So thank you for that. Oh well, I appreciate it. And anyone that's fighting that fight with me, I appreciate as well. Um, I will tell you that I will not accept someone being naive to the facts as a reason to just let it go. Yeah. Show me. I'm gonna take a moment mm-hmm. and explain to you. Mm-hmm. Because if, if my person doesn't get it, maybe at least on the next one you'll think differently. Yeah. And it's a disservice to the seller. True. Yeah. Um, so um, a lot of times, too, let's talk about, I know some things have changed recently with the uh, VA non-allowable. Mm-hmm. And just to put it to the people that are just straight, what is a non-allowable, mm-hmm. explain what that is. Yeah. So it's difficult because every state calls fees different things. Right. Um, so... In the state of Texas, your settlement fee for title is not allowed. There are several things that when you're in a market where 
you're not really getting seller concessions. Right. It's somewhere between six and nine hundred dollars. Okay. In non-allowable fees. And that's what I'm, I don't mean to interrupt, no. but I'm trying to break it down to the person who's never bought a home. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that means what you just mentioned of seller concessions is a realtor is saying, "Hey, you're a veteran. These are some things that the veteran is saying. You as a veteran are not cannot pay you're for. You're not allowed to pay for. So I. But they're still required still to be required charged. To be charged. So I myself would use my negotiating mm -hmm. to say, Mr. Seller, here's a very qualified buyer, um, but we're asking for, I guess you said, like a certain amount. And yeah. I would always call the lender and yep. say, hey, what is the amount, right? Because mm -hmm. I always want to confirm. I don't want to just throw a, a number out there and see if it sticks. Mm -hmm. um, so it would be that number. But like you said, we just left a very difficult market. So mm -hmm. I had to get creative. And uh, me, myself, I was just covering it, yeah. you know, in some in some. We cover it all the time. Yeah. I will say that anybody that watches this video, a simple trick yeah. is instead of having the seller pay the title policy, move that to the buyer and then get 1500 Okay. That's really because good. Because the, the title policy is allowable. Okay. So if you're not asking the seller to pay that, you free up that money. I like that. You move it to concessions and then you put the non-allowables under so you're that. You're just moving it around. And that's a, and it's, it's worded differently all because paperwork. we're not like, we're not asking for you for this because we've already, The you same know. money. It. Yeah, it's the easiest possible way. So on yeah. average, if it's fifteen hundred for the title policy, you just move that to concessions and the contract, take it out as make it buyers paid, and then you can cover all the non-allowables. Okay. So that was the easy shift. I think we just had a lender to realtor conversation, but to break it down for the yeah. first-time home buyer. <laughs> yeah, basically <laughs> what that means is is we can move the money around to where it still works. Yes. And then if we can't, if we're in a market where we can't even have the title policy paid by a seller, then uh, fairway, we, we would normally cover that. Yeah. And again, back to, and I guess we're going to sound like a broken record, but this is why it is so imperative to work with a realtor that has some knowledge on that um, so they can ask for the speci specific things from the yeah. seller. And same with the lender that you just gave me. That's a yeah. simple little tip, but yet so effective. Yeah. Well, we... We close a lot of VA loans, so when the market was shifting to super seller market, uh, where nothing was getting paid for, that was one of the, you know, quick things that we did. That if we could still just get title policy, then maybe they have to offer fifteen hundred more. Yeah. And it still wasn't a problem. Right. Um, it was, it was an easy shift for us. So it it worked phenomenally uh, in a market where it's very tough. And then I think when you communicate the offer to the seller to say to them, um, you don't have to worry about non-allowables. Okay. Yeah. Like, I know that that's one of your things when you mm -hmm. present to your seller. When you present to your seller, you can let them know that's already covered. They don't have to do anything. That's covered. Because Fairway was covering it. Yeah. Or whomever. If or you whoever. Have, if you can or tell, we did it. If yeah. you can tell them, like, you don't have to pay for the don't termite. Don't worry about it. We got it. And you don't have to pay for non-allowables. Yeah. That's one less thing in their head that they're thinking, well, you're sure. going to be at a disadvantage. And and hopefully we're moving away from that because, as you know, the market is shifting. Sure. And uh, so the the days of asking for seller concession where that was like taboo, like not going to happen, not going to happen. I think that what I'm seeing is now we're seeing seeing a balance and um, we where that's not going to be so unheard of yeah. to ask for that again. Yeah. What's what's incredible is like we've trained we've been trained over the last two years that if your house doesn't sell in three days, there's something wrong with it. Yeah. So now, like at 14 days, there's price reduction. I'm seeing, and that's going with the shift in the market, and that's exactly what we're seeing right now. Yeah. We're seeing 
price reduction after price reduction, sure. uh, whatever you word it, price improvement, repositioning. Yeah. The for <laughs> me, for me, it's reduction. For realtors, it's improvement. It's a price improvement. I get it. I get know. it. But what I'm saying, we're know, adjusting to the market. How about that? Sure, sure. And you know, average adjustment ten grand on yeah. homes four hundred thousand or less, and they're only waiting fourteen days. Yeah, for sure. So we've definitely yeah. become impatient over mm-hmm. the last two years. Yeah. Um, all this is is normal. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. house is 30 days, that's fine. We're coming from a very difficult, I mean, all last year, we, that was unheard mm-hmm. of. It was just like homes were selling, you remember sure. the craze of it. Um, so I think that that is still in mm-hmm. some, you know, we're coming off that. We're coming off that high. And I, for one, I'm so thankful that it is balancing out. Sure, you yeah. You know, because it's, um, I think that it's necessary yeah. to, for buyers and sellers. I think about no. I think I think when you have inventory it creates balance. Yeah. And we're getting inventory. Yes. And I personally believe, you know, I've watched everything over the last two years and I know everybody is a little gun shy with interest rates. Yeah. But I still I think I still think that right now is potentially your best opportunity to buy in the next five years. I really do. I would agree with that statement. So you tell me why you think, and then I'll tell you why I think. Well, because for one, rental prices are still increasing. Mm -hmm. So um, if you're, if you can, back to the simple, if you can afford to pay 18, 19, 20, 2,000 for an apartment, then you should definitely take the time to see if you qualify Mm -hmm. to invest in in real estate because the appreciation is still growing. Mm -hmm. We are in a time right now where people are afraid. I've heard, I'm sure you've heard um, clickbait, you know, the... The market is crashing, you know, but uh, it's still a very healthy market with inventory. We have inventory, right? We have um, the demand. We have the buyers out there, and the home prices are not depreciating. They're still appreciating. So Mm -hmm. even with interest rates, it it does affect the affordability, but I know you have um, some some methods to that. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you want to touch on that later with the interest rate Mm buy-down methods. But um, I think just um, just right now, case in point, we just invested in our first rental property. Mm-hmm. Interest rate was high. Sure. Know, I'm not going to sugarcoat it, but we're still we're still in a better position than we were before we invested. Yeah, but was it high compared to the last two years, or was it high compared to forever? Uh, two years. Yeah. Yeah, I know what you're, where you're yeah. going with that, and you're right. Um, if you go back to 2008, where where were they paying? Because you've been in the you've been in the Six industry. Six and a long. half, probably. But five, I've five and a half, six. I've heard as crazy as. Um, oh yeah, well I mean you had subprimes, so I mean you had tens and twelves too. Yeah. Ninety two, you were in the twelves. Yeah. I started in O two. Okay. Um, so You've been I've in the seen, game long enough to know. So I've seen rates anywhere from one point nine, which that, that should was never that should never happen, <laughs> all the way to probably twelve. Yeah. And 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 so that's what I'm saying. Like you said, in forever or the past two years, and yeah. you're absolutely right. I've only been in the in real estate for six years, yeah. but. Um, I was, I have seen it super low, mm-hmm. and now I've seen it at the highest that at I've seen. At the highest in your yeah, real estate career. in my career. Mm-hmm. So, um, but again, even with investing, I was able to see uh, the value in the interest, you know, what we're paying. Um, yeah. It's still profitable. Yeah, it still builds wealth. Yeah, so. still builds wealth. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're working for, is towards generational wealth. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing that real estate will always do for you. If, if you purchase in the right space, mm-hmm. you know, well, that's what you need my help for. <laughs> but... Um, I, tell me your reasons. So I'll tell you, I'm I'm trying to have this conversation as much as I can right now, 
with realtors, buyers, et cetera. And I think it's one of the reasons that we're having a higher conversion ratio right now with our buyers. Mm -hmm. uh, we're having less people say, oh, I'm scared of the market or I'm gonna sit it out. And here's why, and I'll tell you. And I, and I think this is true. And what is today? Uh, August 31st, 2022. So we can come back to this in five years and see if I'm completely wrong. Okay. I think that if you look at the last two years, um, in your um, opinion, what, what do you think the largest pool of buyers has been the last two years? Um, well, I would say the millennials, mm -hmm. yeah, and um, I even will go, like I just said, um, a lot of investors, mm -hmm. a lot of investors, so that's what I've seen. Yeah, so when you make rate, when you make money really cheap, people that have it are going to use it, right? Yeah. So they're going to buy second homes, investment homes, etc. The one that scares me the most is institutional investors. Mm. So institutional investors right now are taking a break. BlackRock just said they're not going to buy homes right now. Okay. So when you take them out of the market as a competitor, okay. this becomes probably your best window to buy a house. There's more Correct. inventory. You're not bidding against Merrill Lynch. Right. It's different if me and you get in a bidding war, but if I've got to do a bidding war with Goldman Sachs, I'm not going to win. <laughs> yeah. And that's what that's was happening. Cash. And that's what was happening. Yeah. 2020, 2021. And what's happened is, is these private investment and private equity firms, what they have figured out is that they can redistribute wealth through accumulating massive amounts of real estate and then controlling the rent in one area. Yeah. So they can offer higher rate of return to their investors through the purchase of real estate assets rather than investing in the stock market. Mm. So if they re-enter the market, which I believe they will when rates go back down, right. right? Right now they can make money just on other things because bonds are higher, mm -hmm. you know, equities are higher, everything's higher. Yeah. But when rates go back down and money gets cheap again and they can easily raise money at a low cost, mm -hmm. they're gonna re-enter the market as the largest home buying pool and they're going to try to push people around. So if you're sitting there saying, well, I'm gonna wait this one out until rates get lower, when rates get lower, back into the market is gonna come institutional investors, mm -hmm. and that's who you're gonna be bidding against. Right now, you're bidding against another person that has the same fear as you do. Traditional buyers, you're, so you're, to speak. You're both making offers, you know, uh, just hoping that, you know, things will get better, which they will. Yes, but when they, they do, if you wait until they come back around, one, prices are gonna go up, institutional investors are going to return to the market and then you're going to have a much harder time buying and i believe that if that trend continues this might be your best window to buy for the next five years that's such a good point and i'm going to add to that um because you you i had a light bulb go off in my head because you're absolutely right because i have seen that trend i guess in uh, saying it out loud and having this conversation then it, it's like okay you're absolutely right because I'm seeing more buyers come out of traditional buyers is like, you know, like um, come out where before it was investors. Um, and even right now, what I'm seeing in the market is I'm not going to throw no names, but investor brokerages, a ton, they bought a ton of market share. And now what are they having to do? Significant price reduction. Oh, yeah. So they're unloading their inventory, yeah. right? And the uh, difference between I buyers and institutional investors is they don't care about value. Institutional mm -hmm. investors don't care about value. What they care about is return on investment. Oh. So they don't care if they overpaid as long as they can charge the appropriate rent. Wow, okay. Open door, offer pad, all of them, they have to be able to resell that property. So mm -hmm. if they overpaid, they're in a bad spot. Gotcha. 
Yeah, that makes perfect sense. But the sense. institutional investors playing the long game. And holding their money, basically. They're playing the long yeah. game. Wow. So if you're playing the short flip game, that's where you get burned wow. if you're an iBuyer. But the institutional investor, the Merrill Lynch, the BlackRock, whatever, you, the reason that they don't ever lose mm -hmm. is because they can just hold it until they get in the position where they're winning. Wow. And then yeah. if you didn't buy your house in the next six months, mm -hmm. you're the one paying down their asset to get them in the position where they can sell it later. That's good stuff. That's good. I think that needed to be out there. So, um, and, and I am seeing the shift and, and uh, lots of uh, buyers that are coming that are, were probably afraid and like you said, were losing to mm -hmm. all cash buyers, investors. They didn't have a chance. Now it's like, here's your chance. Yeah. Seize it. Now is your time. Yeah. So when I rates like go that. back down, you can't go back in time and pay less for the house. Right. Appreciation will go back up. Yeah. So now is your time to purchase. If you can qualify for a mortgage right now, you need to buy one. Doesn't matter if it's 200 more than you really want to pay in your mortgage. Right. Because you're going to pay it in rent anyway mm -hmm. and get nothing. Yeah. So if you can buy right now, you should buy right now because mark my words, this is the cheapest real estate's going to be. Absolutely. And um, like I said, the biggest thing, key factor for me is all the buyers, first time buyers too, um, that are paying so much in rent right now. So if you are absolutely paying this much in rent, you can afford. Yeah. I, I work, you know, a lot. I hear a lot of my friends still that don't want to buy just for certain reasons. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm like, well, how much are you paying in rent? Easily. 1800 1800 is kind of cheap now. Well, 2000 to 1800 yeah. is apartments. Yeah. Yeah. Now, when you go but to, if you're when doing you go a rental and property, home, now you're 24 mm -hmm. or more. If you want to live in a nice subdivision sure. and stuff like that, good school district, uh, single family, yeah. Seeing 2200 even up to 2500 Yeah. So, um, the other thing I will say that I think people are missing on is in the last two years, you've had some of the most qualified renters ever rent because yeah. they couldn't buy because mm. they were competing with all cash, blah, 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 blah. Right. So, let's say you uh, transferred here, you're an oil, oil, oil business, right? You transfer from Indiana or Ohio where they have a lot of oil executives and you come down to Texas and now I can't buy anything. Mm -hmm. So you end up in a short-term rental, right? Yeah. Some realtors may not take that lead. Mm. But yeah. that person's very qualified to buy at the end of their term. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. So we have a ton of super qualified buyers that are in rentals right now because of where the market was. Yeah, I'm we've got to get we've got to speak to them also and yeah. draw them out because they need to understand that this is when they need to buy. You just uh, gave me a marketing idea. I have to partner with you on that one. <laughs> Non-owner occupied. No, here I'm I come. Just, I'm just I'm just saying it's it's my those postcards in the mail. Yeah, I, I just it's just one of those things where you're gonna see it. Um, you're gonna see that buyer pool come out. And it's going to be uh, a group of, it, it'll be small, but it's going to be a pool of super qualified people. I love that. That and, are just uh, in rentals right now. And uh, don't post that because I'll be using that one. Not <laughs> just kidding. Um, thank you for that. That's really good stuff. Um, I want to go back, circle back to the veteran because that's two things that I didn't touch on that I, I want to touch on is um, with a VA home loan, do you still... Um, can you still use down payment assistance program? Yes, yes okay. that's a great question. So I can't speak for every state. Okay. But in Texas, um, 
we have three different down payment assistance programs that also you can pair with VA financing. Okay. And so we've had several veterans get their earnest money back. So, and depending on how long you are here for, if you're PCSing, then we need to know if you're going to be here two or three years. Um, but if you're ETSing, and this is where you're coming home to, ETS is like you know, termination of service, um, and this is where you're going to end up being, um, there's even more options to you because some of these down payment assistance programs um, require you to be in the home one year, some of them require three, some of them require five. So depending on your circumstance, depends on you know which one is the right one for you okay and if you're only here for a few years the rate doesn't matter that much right. what matters is that you accumulate some wealth mm -hmm. sell the home when you leave buy another one when you get to your next station mm -hmm. you just don't want to rent right and usually um, in this area DAH can get close wow. to covering it so give me an example of just one you don't have to name it because uh, I know it's always changing um, what is the maximum amount that they would get back towards their down payment? Uh, 5%. 5% of the uh, purchase price. Mm -hmm. On okay. a VA, it's purchase price if it's the same. Purchase price and loan amount are the same. And like you just said, uh, most likely it's covering all the closing costs because they're putting zero down. They don't usually need 5%. Usually at 3 or 4%, they're getting part of their earnest money back. Oh my gosh, that's wonderful. Yeah. So essentially, they're moving in with zero down. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It is possible. Mm -hmm. That's wonderful. Um, can you uh, speak on those qualifications or does it... Does it's the same as a VA loan. The only thing is, is you're going to have maximums on purchase price. Okay. And income. So income is usually not the issue. Uh, usually the issue is, is if you're buying at too high of a level. So if you keep it under, right now, if you keep it under 300K, okay. um, should be okay. Awesome. That's great. Um, and very valuable because I know even... Uh, veterans don't get paid a lot. I mean, right. let's just be honest. Um, so it's, it's definitely, well, you can with the DAH and all that, right? Mm -hmm. If you maximize your <laughs> benefits, then you can. But um, do you have to have an honorable discharge or is this something that they need to check with the um, VA Veteran Affairs mm -hmm. uh, to have these benefits? Yeah, so honorable discharge by itself is not automatically eligible. Oh, okay. So you still have to go through the process of determining eligibility because you can get honorable discharge uh, it could be reserves or it could be another service that requires longer to get eligibility right mm -hmm. so what we always say is the eligibility is not determined at the lender level but if you give Within. us the bb214 um, which is your like exit of service so, report yeah your action report we will send it in um, and we will get a determination for you I guess and if they tell you no, it comes with a letter, you can call, they'll tell you exactly why. So I guess to, to, for me to be clear, so I meant like, have you ever seen anybody other than an honorable discharge get? No. Okay. All right. I've not seen a less than honorable discharge get a VA loan. I gotcha. Okay. But again, they have to go through the Veteran Affairs yep. to, to get their certificate of eligibility. Doesn't mean if, I, I mean. You haven't seen it, but I'm it not mean, the VA, right. so I can't say that's impossible. I'll just yeah. say I've not seen it. Okay. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, and again, I know um, I don't want to pin you as the yeah. VA because I know you do a lot more sure. than that. So um, That's a large part of my business. I'm very passionate about it. My, generationally, my family um, has a lot of service members, mm -hmm. male and female. Um, my stepdad, who passed away when I was a junior, he had three brothers, mm -hmm. 
and they're all from West Virginia, mm-hmm. and they all got drafted for Vietnam. Oh, wow. All of them. Actually, yeah, they all deployed within probably three months. Oh, my gosh. Um, all in different uh, branches of the arm, armed forces. My uh, stepdad was in the Marines, mm-hmm. and he had an Air Force, Navy, and Army. Um, no Coast Guard uh, or National Guard, but they were in the those four. And they all went over there, and all but one came back. Oh, so I have wow. an uncle that is a uh, prisoner of war, uh, uh, missing in action person. He is on the wall in Washington, D.C. Mm. Um, it's a very surreal place. I got to go there last year for the first time and see it in person. Mm-hmm. Um, so to see that is interesting. My stepdad had a book that one of the people in his platoon wrote um, that has my uncle's name in it but that's something that I will always yeah it's not it it happened before I was born but the way the story was told to me gave me a new level of respect sure Um, my brother who is one of the people I looked up to the absolute most um, in the world served for 21 years Mm -hmm. retired military Um, he re-enlisted after 2001 9-11 He was out, re-enlisted after 9-11, mm-hmm. went on multiple deployments. Um, he is retired now, and, uh, you know, we don't talk about service stuff. Sure. Uh, but, you know, just just the, the person that it takes to do that uh, and to give that type of sacrifice, I just want somehow to be able to give back to that yeah. person. And I think you are mm-hmm. doing that, so props to you. Yeah. And um, that's one of the things that uh, I served in the Marine Corps for four years. And um, I think one of the things that my Marine Corps friends started pointing out to me is when I discharged, I discharged in uh, 2003. I never looked back. Now, for my own reasons, but I am very proud. I'm very proud. And I just went about my business and I was in the civilian life, right? But reconnecting with my veteran friends just really, and we went to the Marine Corps ball last year, it just really started tugging, you know, at my heart again, because I was just like, man, I kind of like abandoned my brothers and sisters. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, um, if I can help them in some small way, you know, and me being one of them, I can't really call to why I was just like, I'm out of here. Maybe it was just, you know, I'm done. I did my time. I'm out, which is happens a lot. Right. Um, but I remember when I reconnected with my my sisters in the Marine Corps, I was um, I was dumbfounded, and I and I was partly even like I don't want to say ashamed, cause but I was like, why haven't I helped mm-hmm. a lot more veterans? Mm-hmm. And they motivated me, and they're like, Erica, you you know you lived and breathed it, mm-hmm. you know you, you can speak to it. Yeah, you you've been there, like so. Okay, we don't know why you didn't do it, but you need to start doing it, you know? And um, so that's why it was really important to me to just start, you know, tap into that. And um, why I want to speak out and and share that, like share my story. I was a veteran. I was in the Marine Corps. I I did um, some time in Kuwait and Iraq in 2003. I was a sergeant. Um, So, I mean, like I said, I... I'm ready to start giving back. Yeah. You know, the same way that you said, you know, you, it, it, it spoke to you. That's where I'm like, okay, I'm ready to uh, step up and 
be that voice for my veterans mm-hmm. um, and say, I want to help you. Mm-hmm. I, let me be the one to walk you down this path. You gave, you, you sacrificed so much and, um, you know, that's what I'm here for, yeah. you know? Um, I've talked, I, I have talked to other realtors that are veterans in the past and I've asked them the same thing and it feels like, <clears throat> and I won't quote anyone and you can validate or disvalidate this, but it seems to me that they almost feel like it would make them feel guilty to lean into that as a business practice in the beginning. They're like, well, I don't want to, I don't want to propagate or, or, or make money on the back of my service. Right. Almost like that's not honorable. Yeah. And until they realize that this group of people is not being served appropriately. Right. Then the light bulb turns on. I when think initially yeah. they're real shy to lean into it because they feel like it's not um, the right thing to do to profit on their service career. Right. When in actuality what it is is you have people like me that are, you know, like screaming for more advocates. Yeah. Because I know that this group of home buyers is being underserved. Absolutely. And I think that when you come at it from that angle, it's like, okay, it's not icky. It's mindset. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that for me personally, I think that um, I, I, I see where you're going with that. And I, and I guess I can say there's a level of when you first start out in the real estate business, you don't want to be on a hilltop and say, hey, I'm a mm-hmm. realtor. Send me your business, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and that's the wrong thing to be because yeah. um, if you're getting into this business, you absolutely have to tap into your sphere, into mm-hmm. your network. Um, mine was veterans. Mm-hmm. And um, I never tapped into it, not because I felt like a sleazeball, but I never wanted to be salesy. Mm-hmm. I never wanted to be that. Now that I'm at a level in my career where I'm, I am a little bit more confident in saying, no, this is my business. This mm-hmm. is my living. And you're my brother and sister. And mm-hmm. you got a job. I got a job. But I can help you at the maximum level. And I'm not a sleazeball salesperson. Yeah. Like, I'm going to help you. Um, and that's one of the things me and my husband, we couldn't be here today. But we're always saying is, and, and again, this is real estate is wonderful it's a lucrative career it's it's fulfilling to me but there's so many people that are just getting licensed oh sure and ethically there's a lot of ethics missing you know um there's a lot of independent licensed persons licensed and only a veteran would know this Mm -hmm. but there's a level of expectation and service that is provided Mm -hmm. when you're a veteran yes and that is only appreciated, I don't want to say only, but is especially appreciated by veterans when they meet someone who's like, oh my gosh, you can work like me. Yeah. You have the same work ethic like mm-hmm. me. You're not, uh, you're returning my call when you mm-hmm. say you're going to return my call. That's yep. very important. Integrity, You've laid out the plan. Yes. Integrity. That That's much more valued from mm-hmm. a veteran. And it's a different language. Um, when you said you go into the room and you say, um, when you're speaking to someone and... Um, who you're talking to Mm -hmm. matters like you're attracting who is going to be your customer or your business or whoever is well just your people right so if i go into a speaking engagement right and you start getting asked to do more and more of them Mm -hmm. um you know i let them know up front i'm like i'm not I, i am not the guy if you want me to speak to the masses 
Yeah. I can speak about what I'm passionate about and I can attract the people that are attracted to that message. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if you have 100 people in the room and you send them all a comment card for me, you're going to get eight amazings and 92. Mm. Yeah. And I'm okay with that because I'm not talking to them. Right. You asked me to come in because you want someone that's super passionate about what they're doing. And then the goal is, to be honest, is do enough of those speeches, do enough videos, do enough interviews to where the people that show up when they know I'm talking is a hundred of those people. And those are going to be your raving fans. Yes. And that's one of the big, most valuable lessons I've learned being in this business is when I first started, I was trying to cater to every audience. Yeah. And it was draining. Yeah. Ever since I started tapping into what truly matters to me, mm-hmm. one, case in point, the veterans, mm-hmm. um, other uh, pillars that I really speak to, right? I started being authentic to myself. I've been getting naturally vibed, connected, attracting. the. They say you are who you attract, right? Mm-hmm. And my business went to a different level. Mm-hmm. Like I was having treasured, treasured friendship. Yeah. Um, I have to share this if I can. Yeah, please. Yeah. Yesterday I got a call from one of my clients and she said, um, Tay, I have to, I have to tell you something. And I was like, okay. She goes, she was working on her will. And she said, and I helped purchase her home in, in Baytown. She's like, um, don't worry don't get excited you're not in my will (laughs) I was like okay well no she goes and I was like are you okay she's like yes I'm fine I'm just working on it you know whatever and she's like but I have specific instructions that you're going to be the realtor who sells my home hey there you go because I want you to be the you saw me through this and I know that you will do it Mm -hmm. the best way ever in in that but what why I'm bringing that up is because I not only did that touch my heart, but it also spoke to me in um, ever since I started running my business to attract the people that I want to work with yeah. and truly care for that. Those are the people that are my raving fans mm-hmm. that are going to send me people referrals. And it's not even about, like you said, some people can say, I'm not telling her, send me referrals. I'm not. I'm doing my business to the best of my ability to my tribe to the people that i'm attracted that come to me and say can you help me when i help them it naturally produces a long-lasting mutual beneficial relationship absolutely and that's been the most beneficial lesson i've learned thus far is that if you're in any industry like us we're in the service industry right um stay true to yourself do your business to the best of your ability, be authentic, and it's going to naturally come to you, and it's going to be enjoyable. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yep. Because in the beginning, I was a hamster on a, on a hamster wheel. Oh, yeah, I'm running to go buy it. Now I can honestly say, you know what? I have somebody I can send you to. Yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know what? I have the perfect person if I know deep down, like, this isn't going to be a good fit. Mm-hmm. You know? But I can, I've learned to do that. I've learned to do that throughout the years. Yep. Um, and it's been most valuable and it's not about looking at things transactionally like oh I'm passing up business you are actually putting yourself in a more healthy state and mm-hmm. running your business to its fullest potential yeah when you're in a service related industry it has to be that you're working with the correct people yeah it's not like you're not selling software 
you're not selling subscription service, when you're in a service-related industry, if you continually work with people that you do not like, you will not like your job. No. And you will not and continue I've been there. to do your job. Right. So what I mean, like when I say I talk to very specific people, is I am a systems person first. Okay. Sales is not natural for me. Like yeah. when you do personality assessment, yeah. I am like the lowest on the totem pole for sales ability. So period. relationships matter to you. Well, not just that, but yeah. systems matter to me. Okay. If I can build a great system, I can sell through the system. So if I get up in front of an audience and I'm talking about systems and I'm talking about work ethic and I'm talking about grinding and I'm talking about creating a system that works and following it and doing the, the, doing the same things every week that are proven to be successful and being able to work at that level, if that's not you, then I don't want to work with you. Yeah. If you're not passionate about those same things, if you don't want to build scalability mm -hmm. in a way to where you can grind in that system and it always produces results, I'm not your person. Yeah. If you want to just see how the business comes to you, I'm not a good partner. Yeah. Because I'm a very systematic, methodical worker. Yeah. And when I say that to people, even even this video is yeah. a system. Yeah. Right? We're going to create this video. Yeah. From this video will become several other videos. Uh -huh. We're going to see which ones do better and then we're going to boost those. That's a right. system. Right. I can't do anything without one. Right. But it, the, the six people in the crowd, they're like, I love systems. Yeah. And my guy does not do systems. Right. We're going to have a great working relationship together. Yeah. But the 94 people that are, you know, blue skies, the world is amazing, and I'm going to get the business because I'm, I'm, I'm bubbly, we're <laughs> not good. Like, we're not going to yeah. work together. And we're I will shown be your, what you ate for breakfast. I will be your friend. <laughs> Look, I will be your friend. Yeah. Um, you know, I love inspirational stuff too. It's a huge part of being a leader. Mm -hmm. I, I love to inspire people, but you have to be organized. You sure. can only take emotion to a certain degree. Execution is where people lose. Yeah. Yeah. I am extremely good at executing. And I can vouch for that. Like I've seen, and I was very impressed. And even you, I was surprised that you weren't a veteran when I first heard, you know, heard you speak and everything. It's like, are you a veteran? And you're like, no. no. And I was like, you know, you have the vibe of just ethic, you know, work hard, very, um, I think that you do your job to the best of your ability and it's high level. Mm -hmm. it's, I, that's all I can say is high level, yes. which is very relatable to a veteran. Yes. You know, give me your best or don't get, we can't work together. Yeah. I don't you know expect I mean? perfection, but I do expect excellence Yeah. at every level. I agree. I, mean, I, I think perfection is a myth, but I think you can be excellent at everything you do, even when you mess up. Or try or yeah you can be excellent your effort can be extremely high and you can be excellent at it period yeah. you can learn to be a good operator absolutely if you choose to well, but it only takes you so far to to feel good about it it's a hugely important part to be inspired about what you're doing sure but that gets you to the point of the actual work and if you don't have systems or you don't leverage people to do things that you're not good at, yeah. I know what I'm good at. I know what I'm not. I leverage the things I'm not good at because I know I'm not good at them. Well, I've been saying, I don't know what you're not good at, but um, you're very good about systems and leverage. And I've, I've noticed that right off the bat because even in a transaction with you, it's fine tuning. Now it's this person. Now it's mm -hmm. this person. And um, it, it, it runs very smoothly. Mm -hmm. So I think you've done that. I'm sure there's always room for improvement, but I think uh, patting you on the back and vouching for you is that I think that that's a very good thing that you've created in your business. Thank you. 
So yeah, um, that means a lot to me because no. because it's you, you normally you only get negative feedback sure. in our business. Yeah. So any type <laughs> of validation, I appreciate, and I yeah. appreciate you saying that. No. I did not ask you to say that. No, I know. I know you video. didn't. <laughs> but but, uh -huh. but you know that's you know when I get fired up, that's what I'm passionate about. Yeah. Like the execution part is what I try to help people learn. Sure. Because that part does not come natural. Like we can set out a plan mm -hmm. and then they will look at their phone and their hand shakes because they don't want to pick it up and dial anyone. Yeah. No. Been there. And I'm like, okay, we have to make 50 calls this week. Well, that number just absolutely terrifies mm -hmm. me. Okay. Well, how about we make one in the next five minutes? Yeah. First, uh, what is it? What do they say? One elephant at a time? Yeah. <laughs> Just do. Yeah. I, and Execution. And anyone that follows me on social media, one of the things I talk about all the time is just do. Yeah. You will learn everything you need to learn through doing. Everything just comes with time, though. I think that we're not grateful. But you gotta do it. You gotta do it, and you can't sit there. I think you're coming. We're it comes in a very different generation where hard work is not as common. I mean, I'm sorry. I'm just gonna say. Well, they want to work smart. And that's fine. Right. I like to leverage yeah. people teaching me how to work smart. Yeah. I think that the, um, <clears throat> oh my gosh, I sound like that Kim K, you know, just like, get, have you heard that? <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> the Kim K thing where she's like, just do your job and get to work. I'm not trying to say that. No. There's a lot of no. hard workers out there. No. <laughs> okay. Well, I think that, I think that, you know, we're always two generations away from everything being different. Yeah. And, just you know, that. But, adapt, but right? like, for instance, like our grandparents, you had to go to college, get a degree, and then it was worth something. Right. Right. Yeah. Now college is so expensive. You have yeah. less people going to college. Yeah. But those same people are still making incredible money because they're learning to do mm -hmm. things that they can be paid to do. Absolutely. So we have a shift with that. And that's changing the way people work. And we have this generation in between that we told them that they can do anything they want. Yeah. Entrepreneurship. And and it's huge right now. Yeah. So, you know, you expect, and as a, a leader or mm -hmm. owner of a business, you cannot expect them to do or care about your business the same way as you. And you have to almost be excited when they say, look, I'm going to go do my own thing. Yeah. I would Because it's a product of your environment. Absolutely. You help them grow to that point. Someone says, hey, I'm going to leave and do my own thing. I don't get pissed. Yeah. I feel like. You've done your job Maybe well. Maybe I did my job. You did your job well. And now well. you can go. I yeah. Now, I try to create an environment where people don't want to leave. Right. But if they're prepared to leave, I'm excited for them. Yeah. Because they... It's, I'm going to I'm gonna compete I'm with gonna them the at a very one. high level. Oh, you but just I'm made my job that much more exciting. But I'm excited about them going out, being on Absolutely. their own. I'm excited to compete with them, too. Yeah. Because they've not seen what it's like to be in competition. And I think right. that part's fun, too. I think that's your part whenever you say, how does it feel sitting there? Yeah. Because I'm coming for it. Well, not you know, just and, not in a, and not in a bad <laughs> way. It's just yeah. like now you're going to see what that's like. <laughs> yeah. You know, now it's a healthy compete. level of competition. You're going to see it from the outside now. You've yeah. seen the inner workings and it all works and it's fun. And, you know, when we have mistakes, we fix them quick. And the systems are amazing. Now that's what you're up against. Yeah. So it's going to make you raise your game too. Yeah, and then absolutely. it makes me raise my game as well because I'm like, well, they all know, they already know all my secrets. Now I've got to go even harder. I've got to build even better. Yeah. So it, it creates just who wins is the consumer. Yeah. Which I think is great. Absolutely. 
I think this is very important. This, what you're doing with the realtors in, in our industry is very important. I commend you for it. Yeah. And I just want to thank you for the time that you've allowed us to sit here and collaborate yeah. and talk. And um, I think that big things are coming. I think so too. I think big things are coming.